The views on this podcast belong uniquely and solely to the mouths from which they emanate. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Linguist Podcast. I'm Jarrett, your host this week. This week, we're continuing our interview with Dina Stankovic about the Serbian language. But before we get into that, I have some good news to share. We are upgrading. I teased you last week about the fact that we were going to be using, uh, going forward, a professional studio. Well, I can now announce that we have been given access to the studio at KBYS 88.3 FM, McNeese Radio in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, This is the radio station at McNeese State University, where yours truly is a professor. Uh, I will be recording most of my intros, as well as the interviews from Newsroom 103, uh, and it's 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 game changer as far as audio quality goes. They have a, a fantastic setup over there, and I'm really excited about the opportunity. You know, I went there and to talk to them about the possibility of helping me correct some of the audio from the interviews that I've done previously that I haven't yet released. Um, a couple of them really needed help, and I went and I asked them to see if they could help me with it. Well, they were not only accommodating in that regard, but they also offered us the use of their studio. And not only were they nice enough to let us do it, they were excited to let us do it. It, it was a joy for them to let us use their studio. So this is a really, really cool development. It's a small radio station there across the street from the building where I work at McNeese. And, uh, you know, you go in there, the, you, you're welcomed and, and smiling faces. And I'm telling you, when I sat down in Newsroom 103 to start recording uh, the interview that I recorded that day, which was the interview with David Zork, and we'll talk about that. But when I sat down, man, I'm telling you, I was blown away by the technology. Uh, they had one of those really big um ultra-wide, curved uh, monitors, fantastic microphones. Man, I felt like a professional sitting there. Uh, <laughs> and it, But it was really cool, and it was a great experience. And, um, you know, it's really nice because the Weekly Linguist Podcast is going to be getting better now, and uh, we're excited about that. This will not mean, though, that the guest's audio will improve as significantly. And here's why. Most of our guests do not have, obviously, the, the access to professional studios, so they usually have to record from their computers, or they record um, on the phone, or there's different ways that they do it, but the audio is not professional coming that way. Um, but we do have you know, significant resources at the radio station for how to correct as much of that as we can. And there are two or three episodes that need correcting before we release them. And um, Dave at the radio station is graciously working to help us fix one that I'm excited to release um, when it's improved. But 
like I said, uh, I sat down that day and I recorded the very first interview, complete interview, in the studio over the phone with David Zork. Um, and if, many, if you don't know who David Zork is, you should. So in the coming weeks, that one will also be released. So a heartfelt shout out to Dave, Elizabeth, Jules, and Walker at KBYS 88.3 FM, McNeese Radio in Lake Charles, Louisiana. You should check them out. KBYS.FM is where you can find them. You can stream them live. Jules is on at 6 to 8 p.m. on weekdays. Now, we won't be able to record all the interviews in the studio because some of the interviews get done on the road, so to speak. I also have some good news on that. We now have a Zoom H4N for recording sit-down interviews outside of the studio, which we have a couple coming up this month about Louisiana French. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. But I think most of you linguists probably use the Zoom recorder, which I did in the Philippines, which is where my personal Zoom recorder is at the moment. Uh, but we have this new one now, and it's what I'm using to record at this moment. So I think you'll see that it sounds much better than my previous intros. Unfortunately, this won't improve the audio of the episodes that we've already recorded. Um, but going forward, the audio will be improving significantly. So we're working to make it better. But I would like you to send me an email, podcast at weeklylinguist.com, and um, tell me what you think. You know, tell me if it sounds better. Okay, on to Dina Stankovic. Last week, we cut the discussion about Serbian right at the point where she was talking about the phonetics and the phonology, i.e. the sounds of Serbian. Today, we're going to continue. We'll start with Serbian morphology and go from there. I hope you enjoy the discussion. There's some very fascinating things that we are going to learn about Serbian. Don't forget to subscribe. Also, rate us, review us on iTunes. We would very much appreciate uh, a five-star rating. Do that for us so that we can continue to get the word out about the Weekly Linguist Podcast. All right, on to our discussion with Dina Stankovic. Well, what about morphologically? What, what, is, what does Serbian do morphologically? Serbian does, um, well, um, we can go into cases. Um, so the um, Serbian um, represents cases with the um, flexions in the end, with the endings. And Serbian has seven cases, which is um, actually the only Slavic language that has um, seven cases I think. <laughs> um, but I know that all of these uh, major ones, I don't know about the minor uh, Slavic languages, but the, the major Slavic languages, um, all of them got rid of um, one, which is vocative, which is um, a case that helps you address someone properly. Um, and all of the other Slavic languages actually use nominative when the first case, when um, when they're um, addressing someone. So um, I would, for example, in Russian, let's say it like that, um, I would say Jared, 
even though um, I'm, I'm addressing you. And in Serbian, I would say Jerete, which is how it's written. <laughs> um, um, I would actually um, use a different case when, when addressing you. So this is one of the, the really um, cool things that, that Serbian um, stick with. Although, um, yeah, one of the, the things that is also really interesting is that not all of the dialects of Serbian did that. For example, uh, the dialect that I uh, that is spoken um, in the South, where I come from, has only two cases. Um, we have nominative case, and then we have... Um, Hey everybody, forgive me for butting in here, but I didn't want to edit out this dialogue. But it was at this point that Dina and I lost our connection somehow. And the software that we were using um, just became unusable. So we had to switch to a different platform and uh, start the conversation over. So that's why this kind of breaks up a little bit and doesn't flow straight through. So sorry about that, but let's keep going. Do you remember where we were? <laughs> yeah, um, we were actually, I was, I was talking about the, the cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, in Southern Serbian dialect, um, I was saying that the Southern Serbian dialect um, has this feature of losing cases and um it actually has it's called Torlakian dialect um and it's actually um it uses only the first case nominative case and then this um general case which is used instead of all the other cases i will just um give um an example in standard serbian when you want to say i talked with her you say pričao sam sa njom, njom being her, which is instrumental case. And um, in Torlakian dialect, you actually say pričao sam snu. So we also have the the shifting of the of the accent, but the of the stress. But that's another thing. Um, we say nju instead of njom, and this. Um, ending is actually um, really common for this for this um, general case um, and the general case is like I said being used for all the other cases in the function of all the other cases except of nominative so um, this is a feature that is um, not uncommon because um, there is a language contact with Bulgarian and Macedonian that um, actually don't have this case system at all. So my assumption is, let's say it like that, that it's because of this um, language contact, because we also have it in, in some dialects of um, Macedonian. So in these dialects um, that are close to the border with Serbia, um, you also have this not complete loss of cases, but just partially. And then the further you go, um, less cases you have. But standard Serbian, yeah, standard Serbian kept um, all seven of them. But the thing that standard Serbian didn't keep, and it's a really shame that it didn't, is a dual. And um, I actually did an episode about that in the last two weeks or two weeks ago. Um, so dual is actually 
it's not just in, in Slavic languages, you also have a dual in Arabic, for example, or um, in Asian languages. Um, it's not an uncommon feature, but um, Old Church Slavonic um, had it, um, and only Slovene, like uh, contemporary languages from the contemporary Slavic languages, only Slovene and Sorbian, which is a minor language spoken in Germany, minority language speak, uh, spoken in Germany, um, kept it. Um, what dual actually is, is a um, special um, grammatical number that um, expresses that has been there are two objects or two subjects in the in the sentence and serbian lost it kinda i mean officially lost it so we also we only have singular and plural but the funny thing is that um in all of these um words that actually mark uh body parts uh, for example, eyes, ears, hands. You you can sense this leftovers of of dual, um, because those things, I mean, always come in pair, and it just stayed like that in the language. Although the language doesn't have officially doesn't have dual anymore. So, for example, you have um, oko, it's one eye, and then dva oka. Um, when you have many eyes, you say ochi, which is then a um, plural, but you have this form when talking about just two of them. So two eyes, dva oka. So these are, those are, are, are the rest of this, um, dual forms, um, in the language. And, um, I mean, you, you can find them in, in any Slavic language, really. But, um, yeah. So let me stop you for a second here because yeah. this is interesting. So basically for our listeners, what you're saying is, well, since I'm, we're speaking in English, English doesn't really have a dual in the sense that when you talk about grammatical number, you have either singular, which is one thing, or plural, which is more than one. And what you're saying is there's a, there's, when you're talking about a dual, you're talking about a three-way division of, of grammatical numbers. So you have a singular, a dual, and then more than two. Yes, yes. And the only way that English, the English can express duality in this sense, but only in one way that I know of, English still has the word both. So we can say it, both of them, and all of them. So in that sense, English still has this, this dual form, but it doesn't, but that's the only sense that I can remember that English has this dual form. But this is what you're talking about, right? Yes, yes. And it's, it's interesting because you're saying, you're talking about dual coming in to the language in, in words that actually have like, um, physical duality, like eyes and ears and hands and yes. feet. That's cool. That's really interesting. Uh, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, that's what that's what actually that's what stayed. I mean, um, for example, in Slovene, you have um, dual of all of the words. I mean, for all of the words that have um, all three grammatical numbers, you have um, 
dual. So it's a, it's a proper grammatical number that is being actively used. But in Serbian, we only have this leftovers, as I said, um, with this things that typically come in pair. Um, and it's, it's mostly the body parts. It's mostly the body parts. Um, because yeah, that's this uh, basic vocabulary that's seen and people can see that they come in pair, that you have two eyes. So, um, that's what, that's what stayed. But for example, we don't, um, we don't have a way of expressing, for example, two tables. We say two tables, you know, in plural as well as in English. Um, Another, uh, really interesting thing since we're, since we're, uh, since we're at that point of expressing a grammatical number. Um, the thing is that Serbian, along with other Slavic languages, but now we're, we're talking about Serbian, you have so singular and plural form until five. So you have one form for singular, then one form for plural until five, so two, three, four. And then when it comes to five or more, um, you use the genitive plural form of the noun. So you don't use nominative form, you use genitive plural. And what I mean by that is, for example, so one dog is jedan pas, two dogs, three dogs, four dogs, dva, tri, četiri. And then five dogs, six, seven, eight, okay? Pet pasa, šest pasa, sedem pasa, and, and so on. So the form changes if you, if, you, if you talk about more than five things and if you talk about less than five things in plural. So that's also um, one really um, interesting feature that a lot of native speakers actually don't tend to use. So you get a lot of people saying pet psa, even though it's not correct. Yeah, but that, that's, that's a feature that, um, all of Slavic languages share. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Uh, people sometimes, you know, if they don't speak other languages, this is one of the reasons that I like doing this. Because if they don't speak other languages, they, they don't understand certain concepts. Um, one of the reasons that I think it's beneficial for students to learn another language in school is because they can learn more about what their language does as well. But seeing this, this idea of, of, of multiple forms based on the number, um, that you're talking about in something is really interesting to me. Basically, though, for our listeners, when you talk about the genitive case, this is typically the case in English where you would say of something or from something. That's a very simplified way of putting yes. it. Yes. But um, yeah. it's 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 also the the case of of a noun that's used for uh, the possessive. So in English, you would put the clitic apostrophe s on the end of something. X of y. So of y is in genitive. But <clears throat> you're talking about the genitive actually being that single word takes on a different form in order to create the genitive. So that that's what you're saying. So I think that's fascinating. Really cool. What about what about syntax? Yeah. Um, well, when we're talking about syntax, um, there is a first thing that I uh, have to say that in in Slavic languages, well, in Serbian, the word order is really 
free. But if you're saying that the word order is free, let, let me say that really quick to our listeners. What she, basically what you're saying is this. In English, you have the different cases like you were talking about before. So you were talking about the nominative and the, you, you mentioned the genitive and I think you mentioned the instrumental. Um, but basically what English does for most of these cases is it puts certain yes. prepositions in front of the word. So you have things like to her, of her, from her, uh, with her, or, you know, he cut the bread with the knife, with the knife is instrumental, right? But what you're saying is when you have all of these different cases, the word can change form itself to create these cases. So basically... The basic form of this in English is when you have something like, um, he, um, he saw her. And then if you switch that around, she saw him. So he and her both have nominative and, um, accusative forms in this particular case. So the way English does it is English puts the sentence subject, verb, and then the object of the verb. And we could, although we don't, because he and him are in different cases, we could move it and say him hit he. And then if we allowed that in English, it would still be understood. Why? Because the words are in different forms. So because they're in different forms, you can move them around. Latin is famous for being able to do this. So this is what you're talking about, right? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Because of um, because the words um actually express the um the case with the endings, it almost doesn't matter. It's it's not completely um arbitrary, but uh, it almost doesn't matter where they are placed in um in the sentence, um. An important thing is that you put the new information, so the thing that you want to emphasize, in the end. So an example of that would be, I saw her yesterday. Okay, in English you would say then, yesterday I saw her, because you want to emphasize her. Um, but in Serbian, it's it's just that two of them just switch positions. You don't have to put yesterday uh, in the beginning in order to make it work. Um, so you say, Juče sam je video. And then, Video sam je juče. So the two of them, you know, just switch positions in order to emphasize which one is. So, Juče sam je video. It's the emphasize, uh, the, the thing that I want to emphasize is that the action of seeing her. So you just some video. The verb videti to see is in the end. And then if you say video some juče, then it's the time that you saw her that you want to emphasize. So yesterday, juče. And the reason that you can do this without confusing who did what to who is because as we said, these they're in different cases. Yes. Yes. Right. So in, in, in English, if you if you move them, you could possibly you could switch who was doing what to who if you move the positions. But what you're saying is because they're in different cases, you can focus on or you can topicalize topicalize one of them by putting it at the end. Yes. And 
Another thing is because the verb itself expresses which you don't have to have a pronoun. So we don't have a pronoun in this sentence. Video sam je juče. Because of the ending of the verb, you can easily understand that it's you, so me, that I'm being, um, that's, that saw her. Um, so I would say for me, I would say videla for, for, um, female. But still, um, the verb itself contains the ending that suggests that, um, it's me who's doing this action. It's not you. It's not him. It's not her. It's me. So that's why you can play around with the word order. And that's actually done in a lot of songs, for example. Songs have this inversion of um, of words in order to make them rhyme. But everything makes sense. Everything still makes sense. It's completely okay. It's just that we prefer putting the, na the, the pronoun if you want to emphasize that it's really you. And then if you don't have a pronoun, we prefer to have the verb at the beginning. But it's not a must. And, um, you know, you, you, you can really play around with that. Let's say it like that. Well, this is, this is not unlike what the, well, not French, but this is not unlike what, what Spanish and Portuguese and Italian can do. Some of our listeners are probably familiar with Spanish, but basically, Let me know if, if, if this is the same thing. But basically in, in Spanish or Portuguese, um, you can, you take the verb and the verb has to agree with the subject. So like in Portuguese, eu falo. And that O at the end of the verb has to be there because of the subject I. So therefore, because they go together, you can leave off the, the I and just say falo. And you know that it's I speak because it agrees with the subject, so the subject is not as important. But if you want to stress it, you can leave it in there. Is this the same thing you're talking about? Yes, 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 yes. That's the, that's the same thing. That's a, I mean, that's not, as you said, that's not an uncommon feature. Slovene does it as well. I don't know for the for the other languages. For example, Russian. I mean, you can do it, but Russian is a Russian is a, a whole other thing. Uh, I, I won't get into that now. But the <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the 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 important thing is that you really um, you have this freedom of you know really emphasizing the thing that you want to talk about and doing it economically. closing, remember to check out the show notes at weeklylinguist.com. There you will find further information about this episode, like more information about the guest, select bibliography, any resources mentioned in this episode. You can also subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and others. As the saying goes, if you enjoyed the podcast, tell a friend. If you didn't, tell us. You can tell a friend by rating us five stars on iTunes and by writing a glowing endorsement in the reviews. Don't forget to subscribe when you're done. And follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Weekly Linguist. So for any feedback, positive or critical, write to us at podcast at weeklylinguist.com. Tell us what you think, what we're doing well, what we can do better, or even suggest a topic for an upcoming episode. Music